and welcome to the first Tebby podcast of 2017, brought to you by Regis Media. I'm Robin Powell. Now, anyone who's seen my blog, The Evidence-Based Investor, will know that I'm not a big fan of actively managed mutual funds. In principle, active management sounds fair enough, but in practice, only a tiny number of funds outperform over the long term, and they're almost impossible to spot in advance. Consequently, most investors in active funds end up worse off than if they'd simply invested in low-cost index funds. The problem is that most financial advisors in the UK still recommend active funds. So, given all the evidence that most investors shouldn't be using them, will we start seeing investors suing their advisors for compensation? Joining me via Skype is Phil Miller from a firm called Pension Focus, which represents clients who feel they've been badly advised. Phil, perhaps you could start by briefly explaining your own background and how this all started. Well, I I saw it from the inside, Robin. I, I was a financial advisor way back in 2001 to 2003. And then from there, I got into complaint handling. Now, back in those days, the big issue was uh, the mis-selling of mortgage endowment policies. Um, these were complex products with very high costs and while the markets were booming in the 80s and 90s they did what they were supposed to do and allowed people to pay off their mortgages and then when the market crashed from 2000 to 2002, 2003 all of a sudden um, people were realizing that they didn't have anywhere near enough money um, to pay off their mortgage. Um, and ultimately billions of pounds, I would say. Somewhere approaching 10 billion in, in 2016 money will have been paid out in compensation on, on that issue. Like me, you're a strong advocate of indexing. How did that come about? Again, when I was an advisor way back in 2001 and two, we were trained, I worked for a big bank, and we sold um, index funds as well as other financial products. And we were told way back then that index funds would deliver better performance than the majority of the actively managed counterparts. And that was mainly due to their lower costs. So I was aware of it back then, but I guess it really sank in for me um, maybe towards the end of the decade, so 2009 10, uh, we'd seen a huge stock market crash, obviously, after the financial crisis. And I think there was increased focus on, um, on you know, the damage that all of these excessive costs had done. And, and, th- and that damage becomes more apparent when the market's fallen. So it reminds me of a Warren Buffett saying, we see who's been swimming naked when the tide goes out. And um, so that's when, when you hear people like Warren Buffett and Jack Bogle and, and, and Charles Schwab advocating index funds, it's almost the the nail in the coffin for me for actively managed funds because these guys are uh, obviously enormously knowledgeable and, and able and uh, it's not any Joe Soap saying it. Something else we have in common, Phil, is that we're both on the Transparency Task Force, which, for those who haven't heard of it, is a UK-based organisation that's campaigning for greater transparency in asset management, particularly around fees and charges. But for you, Phil, transparency on its own is not enough, is it? Explain that. Yeah, um, let's assume we had perfect transparency from today onwards and uh, financial advisors started, um, you know, selecting low-cost index funds a lot more and uh, and 
doing whatever they could to reduce their clients' investment costs. Um, first of all, I don't think that's going to happen. But secondly, even if it did, um, that wouldn't help people who've been paying excessive costs for, for years and years and decades in some cases. In my work, I've come across a lot of people who are retired and are living off incomes that are, are um, maybe a third of what they ought to have had. Um, and these are real people and, and these are real lives and it's such a shame. And, uh, and of course, transparency from now on doesn't help those people. So your plan now is to start taking action on behalf of investors who feel that the advice they've been given was unsuitable. How strong a case do you think clients will have? Unsuitable advice, as the, uh, the regulator and the, uh, the financial ombudsman service would call it, comes in many guises, but, but most of the time there are common themes and the, those themes are excess, excessive and unjustifiable costs and excess risk. Um, and um, as, as we all know, up until 2013, the vast majority of financial advisors in, in the UK were remunerated by commission. Uh, commission were ban commissions were banned in 2013 by the regulator. But the high, the high cost products naturally paid the highest commissions. And so uh, that's what a lot of financial advice businesses uh, recommended for the clients, the high cost products. Um, and so um, where there's a low cost alternative, an obvious one, um, then really the advice business doesn't have a leg to stand on. And, and uh, as we've said, and, and as we know all too well, um, those excessive costs, which could be seemingly small, um, you know, year on year, compounded over many years and decades, they can do enormous damage. We haven't seen cases like this in the UK before, but there have been some big payouts in the US to investors who've paid excessive fees, haven't there? Well, there's a bit of a distinction because in the US, um, there, there have been a lot of high profile um, legal actions against huge company pension schemes. Um, and there have been, I think in the last couple of years, in each of the last two years, there's been over a billion dollars in settlements. There's also been a very high profile case that went to the Supreme Court and resulted in a nine to zero uh, judgment. Now, nine to zero judgments are very rare in any area of the law. Um, and this was actually the first pension scheme excessive fee case to go before the Supreme Court. So that nine zero victory uh, is very significant. But that's in the company pension scheme space. In the US, uh, most of the actively managed funds sold in the last 20 or 30 years have been sold by brokers rather than fiduciary advisors. Now, those brokers operate under far lower standards. What a lot of people don't know is that here in the UK, since April 1988, financial advisors have operated under a fiduciary standard. So they've been required to act in their clients' best interests. Uh, and sales of high-cost investment products um, uh, quite an obvious breach of that, that duty of care that advisors have had here. What we also have in the UK, which uh, doesn't exist in the US, we have a financial ombudsman service here, which is first of all free to the complainant, and second of all, doesn't have the long stop time limit that the civil courts have. So the, the financial ombudsman, ombudsman service 
can and does uphold complaints about advice given in the 80s and the 90s, and it can make a legally binding compensation award of up to £150,000. Potentially, Phil, how big a scandal do you think this might turn out to be? I think it's enormous, Robin. We talked about mortgage endowments before. In 2016 pounds, that might be somewhere approaching uh, 10 billion. The biggest one in financial terms so far has been the PPI mis-selling scandal. And I think the banks alone have set aside more than 30 billion pounds for that one. Pensions and investments, excessive fees, potentially it's a quarter of a billion pounds. It could be even more than that. The whole UK um, equity and bond markets are worth about seven trillion off the top of my head. So even 700 billion would only be 10% of that. And, uh, you know, even that's not out of the question. These are vast sums of money we're talking about. Is there a danger that if this snowballs, legal redress could actually destabilise the whole financial sector? No, I don't think that's the case. Now, few good reasons why. First of all, the courts tend to look at the facts and the evidence of individual cases rather than implications for entire industries. A good parallel is asbestos. Uh, over $100 billion has been paid out in compensation on that issue over the last uh, 50 or 60 years. It nearly actually brought down Lloyds of London. It actually was uh, Berkshire Hathaway, Warren Buffett's company, that stepped in and, and effectively rescued Lloyds of London there. But the courts didn't look at the, the implications for industries over the next few decades to decide what was the right thing to do. They looked at the, the facts and the evidence on the individual cases. Another point to consider on, on this as well is that investment management doesn't add to national productivity. It doesn't add to GDP. So active managers are involved in rearranging who owns all the portions of the pie. Then they don't make the pie bigger. So it would actually be good for the country from almost any point of view if more people were in, engaged in productive endeavours and less were rearranging the rest of the uh, productive people's ownership of assets. More from Phil Miller from Pension Focus in a moment, but first, a message from our sponsor. For investors, there's never been greater access to information and the financial media is as distracting as ever. Regis Media helps advisors produce great content, whether that's video, podcasts, graphics, animation or written articles. It's about educating your clients and being transparent about how you put their money to work. Let's help investors tune out the noise and focus on what's really important. Regis Media, connecting advisors with clients. Phil Miller, I feel as strongly as you do that advisors shouldn't be recommending actively managed funds. Only they can tell us why they continue to do so. But in my own experience, most advisors mean well. They want to do the right thing. As a former advisor yourself, how comfortable do you feel about taking advisors to court? To be honest, there is a part of me that feels uncomfortable about it, although I, felt, I used to feel more uncomfortable about it than I do now, having seen and met with and, and seen the plights of so many people who are living on their state pension plus five grand a year when they should be living on their state pension plus 15 grand a year. Now, that's an enormous effect on somebody's standard of living in retirement after decades of, of working hard and saving. And ultimately, financial advice businesses are required to act in the client's best interest. 
and they have professional indemnity insurance to uh, pay compensation when they don't. So overall, um, I think, you know, to put any bad situation right, somebody's going to feel a negative effect from it. But uh, I think the positives far outweigh the, uh, the negatives. And presumably you feel emboldened by the Financial Conduct Authority's interim report on its study into competition in UK asset management. That report was highly critical, of course, of actively managed funds and raised concerns that more advisors aren't recommending cheaper passive alternatives. Absolutely, yeah, because I think it's the first time that a regulator has publicly acknowledged this huge problem. These basis points, these hundredths of a percent or tenths of a percent or even whole percentage points, again, they, they may not seem like much to, um, you know, on the surface, but they equate to billions of pounds being diverted from where it should be to where it shouldn't be. And ultimately, if this problem isn't fixed, it will just compound and compound and compound. And I think Charlie Munger said an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And, uh, and so to deal with it now, while it might be painful for some, that's nowhere near as painful as it's going to be if it's not dealt with now. So Finally, Phil, what would your message be, first to people who think they may have a case against their advisor, and secondly, to advisors who continue to invest their clients' money in active funds? To anybody who thinks they may be entitled to compensation, uh, all I can say is there's nothing to lose, there's everything to gain. Pension Focus operates on a no-win-no-fee basis, so we do the work if we think somebody has a valid claim. If they get compensation, they don't pay the fee until after they've received it. If they don't get compensation, uh, they don't pay a penny. To financial advisors who continue to um, to expose their uh, their clients to these unjustified and excessive costs, I would say, first of all, they really need to look at and understand the evidence and the effects of these costs. And they need to think about how that translates into foregone holidays or meals in restaurants for people who are who've retired and, and should be enjoying life. And finally, they need to think about the sustainability of their own business because a couple of upheld complaints and compensation claims can, first of all, vastly increase their professional indemnity insurance premiums and could even lead to them not being able to get cover at all. And if they can't get cover, they can't do business. So if financial advisors really want a sustainable business and, and be able to do the right thing for their clients in the long term, they really need to be thinking about eliminating any uh, excessive and unjustifiable costs. Phil Miller from Pension Focus, thank you for joining us. We should be watching this situation with great interest. Thank you as well to you for listening to this podcast, which is produced and sponsored by Regis Media. Find out more at regismedia.com. Until next time, goodbye.